You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 143, covering All Good Things with Gav Brown. Friends, it's a pretty exciting time for us. This is the end time. The end time, and which means Gav must be here because you're always here when we do the last ones for some yep. reason. Yes, I'm one of the harbingers of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> you well, always suspected it would come to this. It's going to be a lot more apocalyptic when we get to uh, Voyager and Enterprise. Well, no, Enterprise's end will be great. Yeah. Because that'll, that'll come as a relief. We're free! But it's the end of all Star Trek. Well, kind of. that's true. Oh. Then we go back to the cage again, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is your penance. Uh, I'm going to roll that Star Trek back up the hill. Oh, man. <laughs> While this bird of prey pecks out your liver. Yep. Don't ask me how it does that. My liver! This is, of course, the final episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, All Good Things, dot, 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 which yep. is part of the title. You have to say the dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. You could say All Good Things Ellipses, I suppose. It's like Dragon Con yeah, used to be. dick. Like, right, except now Dragon Con took away their star, and now they're just Dragon Con. They should mm. put a dot, dot, dot in between. <laughs> Dragon. Dragon. Con. Con. But see, this has the dot, dot, dot at the end, so you, you pause. You, people don't realize you're pausing, they just think you're finished. And you don't get the uh, you don't get the full effect of, of no. making them wait, you see. Why, like like the way we're making you wait for the summaries. <laughs> yeah, you think we can go five minutes again? I think we probably can. Except yeah. usually that's a sign we don't want to talk, and we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of good stuff happening here, yeah. and just uh, in general, a lot of stuff. So. This is a grand episode. <laughs> I, I miss I miss Picard's uh, catchphrase. Grand, grand. His many catchphrases. Mm. Yes. But we're They're all going to be gone soon. We're going to have to retire quite a few of those. I mean, yeah. they, may, they may come back, but... Uh, well, I, I mean, how often do you hear my Sulu impression now? That's true. Although we do mention Mexican Scotty and uh, Chekhov being shot. I mean, some of those things survived. Yep. What, what do you and, think uh, Sulu would have thought of all good things? I think he would have enjoyed it pretty well. He really? probably would have wanted a role for Sulu. <laughs> well, like a, like a bread roll. Because uh, George Takei, not... Uh, not working like he used to. Not not even in 1994. No. I'm pretty sure he was back then even asking for a Captain Sulu show or something. Yes. He is on Facebook know. a lot. Yes, that's also true. Doesn't he pay someone to do that, though? With what? <laughs> that's a fair point. <laughs> do, do, oh. uh, do I get to be in Generations? Nope. Hello, Captain be, Sulu here. It'll it'll be Kirk's two favorite best friends, Scotty and Chekhov. Oh, sure, his best friends. <laughs> well, we'll get to that next week. <laughs> For now, let's talk about all good things. And uh, I drew the first part, so let me tell you about it. All righty. Listen, Jean-Luc Picard has become unstuck in time. You know what's never a good sign? People running around in their gym jams asking <laughs> what the date is. There should be a special Starfleet alert for when that happens. Suddenly, without warning, we're thrust, <laughs> thrust, 25 years into his future. Now he's a crazy old man with a beard and a vineyard. Gordy's come to visit, and he has real human eyes. That's how you can tell it's the future. Then they go look up Data, who has real human emotions, and also he can use contractions. Wait, are we certain this isn't lore? 
Another time thrust happens, and we're seven years into Picard's past, just before the events of the pilot happened. Look, Troy's back in her cheerleader dress and hair. Tasha hasn't been armist yet, and Chief O'Brien is here. Quick, Captain, warn him about Keiko while you still can! Let's do the time warp again, and we're back in Picard's present. Present Beverly runs some tests on him and discovers that the time jumping is actually happening, that he's storing up days' worth of memories while he's just sitting there in sickbay, like us during a particularly slow episode. <laughs> So now one out of three crews believe his story, and apparently this is good enough because, spoilers, he never really convinces people in the other two timelines that he's not bug nuts insane. Picard begins to put clues together from various time periods and realizes there's some kind of horrible spatial anomaly in the Devron system inside the Romulan neutral zone. So he orders the present and past enterprises to go there, and in the future he uses up every ounce, every last ounce of daddy guilt he's built up over the years to get Admiral Riker, Ambassador Worf, and Dr. Mrs. Beverly Captain Picard to help him, <laughs> despite the fact that he just appears to be a crazy old man ranting about anomalies and pudding. Then poof! He's in Q's courtroom from the beginning of the series, from, I should point out, the post-atomic horror... And we discover that, well, we don't discover much yet. Just that Q is involved and apparently Picard is still on trial for the crimes of humanity. But all the cool reveals come in the second half, which Matt will now tell you about thusly. <laughs> Thanks, Al. So Picard gets the 1985 crew caught up on what the hell is going on in the, with the whole humanity is still on trial and I guess I do mankind. Sorry about that thing. Enterprise arrives at the neutral zone and meets up with Tomalock for his last awesome appearance on the show. He doesn't do anything, but he does it with panache. Enterprise join hands and head into the neutral zone to go poke that anomaly, and Tom Locke presumably disappears, floating up towards heaven, but <laughs> getting lost along the way. Then we jump to Old Man Picard in 2015, where he and the crew of the USS medical ship contact Worf for some high council favors. Unfortunately, Worf ain't quite the high-class muckety-muck that he told them that he was in all of his letters. I blame Alexander, because, well, of course I do. <laughs> but he lets them into the neutral zone after Picard tells him that it'll be like a vacation. Worf grabs his swim trunks and joins the crew. Alas, those swim trunks will never be seen. Will never see use. Back in 1955, the Enterprise arrives at the anomaly, which is bigger here than anywhere. And Riker calls, or and Picard calls Riker in Arsenal of Freedom to let him know that they'll be late picking him up. Riker bangs Crusher for revenge. <laughs> in 1955 and 1985, the Enterprise scans anomalies, and in, 19, in 2015, there are no anomalies to be found. Old Picard yells at people until Riker bonks him on the head with a medical wrench. Back in 1955, the anomaly is having some rather adverse effects on the crew as Jordy's eyes grow back and Nurse Ogawa's baby aborts itself. <laughs> Let the record show that this is the only time I will ever not find a dead baby funny. Poor Nurse Ogawa. Data theorizes that, much in the same way that antimatter is a thing, maybe the anomaly is making anti-time. Everyone realizes that anti-time is an incredibly stupid idea, but fuck it, whatever, it's the last episode. And then Q shows up to take Picard into the past, but, you know, like the the super past. They muck about on Earth at the dawn of life, and Q shows Picard some primordial ooze, and also the anomaly is here, and somebody has supersized it. Basically, the anti-time and the anomaly and whatever have caused humanity to never exist. Not really sure how that's Picard's fault, but no matter, moving on. Finally, in 2015, Picard wakes up from his long winter's nap and realizes that to save humanity, he has to crash the Enterprise into the anomaly in all timelines. This takes a little convincing since everyone in 1955 and 2015 think Picard is nuttier than an outhouse rat, but he's a fuck of a good captain, so all three Enterprises plow into the anomaly, which makes it stop killing humanity. Picard appears in the courtroom with Q, who makes the speech about humanity's potential, and then he p kisses Picard full on the lips, finally, and vanishes. Later, in 1985, Picard joins up with his friends for a poker game that he has been waiting to play for about seven years, and the Enterprise flies off into the sunset. 
Oh, uh, P.S. Riker takes the captain for every red cent he has. Dude cannot play poker to save his life. <laughs> and then Picard outlaws poker on the ship forever. Yes. <laughs> That's why we don't see it in any of the movies, obviously. If I can't win, no one can. I, I, I really applaud your use of uh, the word the, the phrase medical wrench, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that one really got me. I was pretty pleased with that. Yeah, that's good. It's sterile. He, he takes it out of a sterilized package. And, yeah, uh, whacks and then he bonks him on the head with it. Right, exactly. There's <laughs> none of bonking in Star Trek. No, there's a lot no, of boinking. No, you, did you did complain about the too much bonking in that one episode. That's true, you got me there. Wait, which episode? The ghost one. Oh, right, right, too, right. Too much ghost bonking. Bonking. Yeah. Well, you did have the theory, Gav, that uh, Mrs. Beverly Captain Crusher Picard was uh, just using her medical ship to look for ghosts. Yes. <laughs> and she would have found them, too, if it wasn't for pesky Picard. <laughs> Gav, Gav, did you have uh, some words for us? I know we did. We covered the actual summary. Did you have uh, anything I, additional to add? I did write a quick poem today, so don't get your hopes up. Um, well, they're up. <laughs> which I will read thusly. <clears throat> Didn't I just say that? You can I never, you can me. never not use thusly. Oh, <laughs> and never not. Uh, here we are, last. It's the final one. Seven seasons of rebels and diplomats of Zorn's apples enormous. What's he ever done? So to my synopsis, as you've heard, all mats. Picard is going back and forth in time, just like quantum leap. So I'm not misunderstood. I'll tell you through the medium of rhyme. Picard is great, but Sam Bucket just isn't good. Of course, the reason it all is Q. In the future, everyone's so angry and old. Don't worry, War still hasn't got a clue. But old Picard shouts and soon has him told. A good Braga episode, it's been a while, due to the co-writing by Ronald D. Moore. Future Data has a stupid hairstyle, but there's no room for the magic castle of lore. There's no more Data and Geordie in the morning. Instead, Data's at Cambridge and Geordie's a wife. Before we go on, let me issue you a warning. Being an asshole is future Riker's way of life. <laughs> Crusher is now a captain of her own ship. Hands up those who could predict that plot. More weird is Picard and her in a relationship. I'm just glad it wasn't a ghost on second thought. <laughs> Troy's died before she could marry Worf. But there's not much that can rhyme with that. Bet there's not a problem on that show, Red Dwarf. There's plenty to rhyme with Rimmer and the Cat. After the paradox, it works out in the end, and they all go for one final card game. Picard's there at last to make amends, but War still doesn't win much to his shame. Ironically, that's all the time we've got. Star Trek The Next Generation is no more. But I'll tell you one thing, it's not a Romulan plot or a ploy to start a war. <laughs> very, very well done, my friend. Why, thank you. And, and this is why we have you on the finales. The unfortunate thing is I have to do this now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the nice thing is you have two years to think of DS9s and four years to think of Voyager. Like, yeah. You know, you have, you have plenty of warning. Well, I already have a Voyager once, so that's fine. Ah, oh, well, that's <laughs> There once was a man named Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> this was, okay, first of all, it didn't make a lot of sense when you really stop and think about it. No. As, as Gav pointed out, it is a good Braga episode, though. It doesn't matter because it has so much in it that feels like what you want from a Star Trek finale. I would even go as far to say that this is the best finale that any of the series ever did. Mm -hmm. um, like it's yeah. it's that good. I think I, I mean, agree. Yeah, 
I mean, it's better than Turnabout Intruder. <laughs> oh, I don't know about what, that. Wow. Oh, I don't what know a great about that. way to say goodbye to the original series. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the DS9 finale was good, but I thought they sort of uh, pushed together the, the profit stuff and the war stuff. Like, it didn't really fit. It felt like sort of that, the first half was one plot and the second half was another plot. Well, I feel like the last episode of DS9 was very much, like, the, the last episode was like eight episodes. Well, that, yeah. that too. But the final, the one finale, yeah. the, the hour and a half finale, had they had two major plots to wrap up, and they felt like very separate episodes. To mm-hmm. me, was the big problem I had with that. This this all felt sort of cohesive. And then I've seen Voyager's finale, and it was. It's like time travel. Yep, and the Borg. And the Borg, the two things Voyager does. Yep. And um, Enterprise. Oh, right, Enterprise important. borrowed from from Next Gen. Yeah, which pissed off a lot of people, but uh, oh yeah, because it's dumb. We'll see. We'll see when we get there. I haven't actually seen it, so I couldn't say. But but no, I think this show did the best finale. It yeah. feels you you really get a sense of these characters being sort of a family and going on one last adventure together, getting the band back together, and it just it it feels great. You 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 see where they've been, you see where they're going. Like it's it, it ties everything up really nicely. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hi. what's a good thing? Uh, I love how the different crews react to, to Picard's uh, story about traveling in time. They all, mm-hmm. I mean, there's only one that really believes him, and that's the present. And then the future, right. they just think he's a ranting old man. <laughs> and the past, they don't know him. So they just sort of mistrust him, but follow him because that's, he's paying the checks. I got this theory that they that everyone on the ship thinks it's like a, uh, a welcome to the welcome to the Enterprise thing. Yeah, to see how, it's like, how this is all the insane follow. shit I'm going to do. You better all follow me or you're out. Which he, which he, which he kind of did in a counter at Farpoint with uh, mm-hmm. Riker and, you know, Flay and manually. That's not a, oh, that's, that's not a he did. Yeah. <laughs> well, it could be. No, that, that is a good point. He totally, he totally uh, springs a test on him there for no very good reason. Mm-hmm. Also, end of the series, I should point out, final final count of saucer separations, like three. Yeah. That just occurred to me. <laughs> they made such a big deal out of it in the pilot, and now it's like, uh, eh. It's a great thing. Why, why, why should we do it? Uh, I uh, don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it, was, it was a really good way, jumping between the time periods is a really good way, like I say, to show where these characters, like how far they've come. But also, as you say, Gav, to to show just the di- sort of the difference in the in the eras, the, diff- the the different ways they would react to sort of the same information. Mm-hmm. And from a story really like point that. of view, it's just not it's not that easy for him. Then he can't just right. they all, you know do whatever they say and all. It's they're all he's having to fight his way to get this. Yeah, it gives them a nice extra conflict to deal with on top of the the mystery of what the hell the anomaly is all about, which is nice. He's got um. In the, but I like that in the present, everyone believes them because they've been through this weird shit together. And they're like, yeah, of course, you probably are jumping through time. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of in, the, in their prime right now, you know? like Yeah, as a team goes, they're, they're all completely like – like we've, we've commented on this before. When someone says, uh, I'm jumping between realities, people don't say, oh, stop, you're crazy. They always, mm-hmm. they yeah. always, always they, look into it. They always do. And then you can do that to get attention then. Yeah, I'm. Well, that's what jo- Wesley, I'm sure, tried that. <laughs> I Mom, killed, I'm I jumping between realities. <laughs> no, oh yeah, how many course. realities have you killed a guy in? <laughs> I killed a guy. Of course, you did, Wesley. Uh-huh. 
Now, go join the Academy like we've always wanted you to and you've never wanted to do. I don't want to. Oh. I want to go do it. with the Traveler. Uh, told you about that. Has he been contacting you on Skype again? <laughs> I just randomly found him on Chat Roulette. He was every single person I talked to, strangely <laughs> enough. Except for one, which was Q, weirdly. <laughs> then he showed me his dick. <laughs> now, well, I can't top that. <laughs> the thing is, That's when what the he Traveler said. talks about... What's up? That's what he said. <laughs> when the traveler talks about uh, time and space and reality and and the mind all being the same thing it's like oh this is so stupid when q does it though somehow it's okay somehow you know when he starts saying the real exploration is you know in your mind and all that stuff it doesn't sound nearly as contrived and terrible as when the traveler yeah. talks about stuff like that yeah the difference well we like showmanship q. yeah which is a quote from bob it was a long way oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, Matt, what about you? What was your good thing? Uh, Q, actually. Okay. Every scene he has in this is just amazing. It's not just Delancey's acting, although Delancey's doing some of the best acting he's ever done on this one. Mm-hmm. But his writing in this is so good, too. Like, every scene him and, P- him and Picard share is this huge, epic thing. Like, you know, the, the first one in the courtroom, awesome. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes back as an old man to make fun of him. The scene on uh, prehistoric Earth, which is really, really cool. Yeah, it is. And then the last, the you know, the last Picard and Q scene in the series, which is really beautiful, and yeah. also pretty much all the proof I need for my Q loves Picard theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let, let's talk a little about the plot without getting too much into the confusing parts of it. The, mm-hmm. the the gist of it is the continuum is still testing Picard. Yeah, and Q had the idea to, to give him help. Yeah, to to give him a little extra, you know, like the time hopping lets him see that the anomaly's bigger in the past, and 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 so forth. And so it's it's Q once again being a menace, but also trying to help at the same time. Yeah, which is it's what he does. Which is the best balance of of things that they do with that character. When they it's made like... him, they they made him too menacing early in season one, and it wasn't very good. No. And I thought when they made him too pally, he wasn't the best either. It's, it's no, that nice but when he when he's when he's doing it, when he's like, I'm trying to help you here, but I can't actually make it look like I'm trying to help you here. Right. I still don't buy the uh, Q loves Picard thing. <laughs> that's fine. You're wrong, but you know that's fine. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, yeah, talking about the two things helping and, and being threatening. I love how threatening and humorous he is, and how he changes like. On a dime, as they say. He oh, just, yeah. Like, in some scenes, he's being humorous, and then the eyes will go suddenly, and it's just so yep. terrifying. And the other, the other last time we saw him, you know, was Tapestry, right? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that was his, like, um, helping you again, Picard. You know, this is what would have happened if you'd never been born. Right. So, seeing him back as, like, you know, this threat to humanity is also really jarring. Yeah, and and once again, it's a really good way to show where the show has come. Oh, totally! In all this time, because that was the that was the sort of cheesy premise of the pilot, and we kind of bought it. Like, well, this is, th- we know the show will get better. This is pretty good, but and and it sort of made it make more sense here. Mm-hmm. Like, I I totally bought this as a plot, whereas in the in the pilot, I was just like, uh, yeah, whatever, testing humanity, sure, just like the original series, whatever. Yep, test, test, test. <laughs> yeah, this is this is by far the best. It was all a test episode. That Next Gen ever did for sure. Because mm-hmm. so many episodes end with it just being a test. 
Well, because it, it's such an easy way to, you know, do whatever and then just say it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. it's just an it's easy a nice, excuse. Uh, right. Just, it's a nice way to reset the status quo. It's like saying it's all a dream. Yeah. Yeah, which, which is even worse. Just could have easily been. Yeah. That's true as well. What, like oh, I had, a crazy, yeah. I had a crazy yeah, I was nightmare. so hoping that, you know, well, I knew it wasn't, but I was be so cool that Picard was just dreaming all of Star Trek. We cut to uh, uh, Kirk in bed waking up next to Spock and going, I just had the weirdest dream. <laughs> <laughs> Millions of original series fans breathe a sigh of relief. Also, <laughs> I like this show. Ta- Tapestry is uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Uh, and then this is a, a Christmas Carol. Yeah. So Q's, yeah, I, Q's just recently read literature then, has he? <laughs> Well, well, that or he's just been—he's recently been watching Christmas uh, specials. <laughs> he realizes that Patrick Stewart, his favorite actor from the 20th century, by the way, yeah. mm-hmm. does Christmas Carol every year. They were almost going to make a movie based on a Charlie Brown Christmas, but uh, that didn't go through. <laughs> well, yeah, but then Barkley killed himself. <laughs> In all and reality, nothing changed. <laughs> yep. no, nothing changed. Everything was exactly the same. <laughs> My good thing was, well, like I said, there'll never be a better finale than this one. They found a perfect way to show where the show has been, the possible future, and tying things up in one big thematic bow. And, you know, there are a lot of ups and downs. I mean, I I went on and on about how bad Season 7 was, and it was really only half bad, but that half was really bad. Mm. I mean, let let us not forget Genesis or Sub Rosa. Genesis! I have to, sorry. Or, um... That one that I'm trying to forget so hard. Uh, uh, Journey's End. Beverly Fucks a Train. Yes, Beverly Fucks. Oh, right, 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 right. Let, let's not forget. Beverly Fucks an Indian things. Train. Ah! <laughs> oh! And, and yet they managed to pull it all together and to, to give us a great, you know, going out on a high note. And, yep. and particularly the parts set in the future gave me what I always wanted out of the movies, which was sort of getting the band back together Everyone has a part. Everyone has, you know, like like they need Beverly's ship and they need Worf's, you know, uh, the Klingon connections. Hair. And Riker's got the Enterprise. Like everyone's got a little something to do. Yeah. Except it's also the the well, future yeah. is a. It's kind of a really nice sort of, you know, this is where they all end up. Right, and that's what the movies should have been to me. Yeah. Not just more of the same, but sort of showing like like the original series movies did that, where they've all moved on, they've all gone mm-hmm. on to other things, and nobody likes it they all want to be back on the enterprise yeah exactly um but it just it gave me the the future bits gave me a feeling that i wanted out of all four movies that i never got and in the next few weeks you'll hear us argue over which movies are the best but i think we can all agree none of them were great no none of them were up to the standards of some of the best original series movies for instance they just they weren't as good and it's too bad because this writing team shows that they can do that that they can write a good ensemble story that has stakes and and is interesting, and they just didn't. But and they were writing like, they were writing uh, generations and uh, all good things at the same time. Yeah, mm. I feel like at least with generations, you probably had a lot more studio interference. That could be because the Kirk thing I know was a big push. Yeah, and they had a lot more things to fit in. I mean, right. with all good things, they they had to end the show with generations. They. I'm sure you're going to next week. They had to put theoretically, crew, yeah, put the original crew in and, and hand it over. Yeah, right. But that's the thing. I mean, I think uh, Deanna has all of like five lines in that movie, and mm-hmm. Worf gets promoted, and then you never see him again, and they, so on. Like they, you just you don't feel like the whole crew is a part of it. It doesn't feel like an ensemble. It feels like the Picard show starring Data. 
Yeah. Which is what those movies were, I know. But this one had a lot of Picard and Data, and they managed to, to do an ensemble. I, I know, that's that's what I like about it. It, it does everything that, uh, so that on I feel the like a movie should. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's exactly what you want from a last episode. Right. Indeed. Uh, that said, though, there were some bad things. Gav, tell me one. Data's hair. <laughs> he looked like a... he, he just put gray in his hair to look like a skunk for some reason. <laughs> now I'm old. Well, he, I'm he, an old man. He says it in the in the episode. I, I find a touch of gray adds an air of distinction. Yes, a touch, Data, not a smear. <laughs> right. A, I love a, his bitchy a, a old cleaning smear. lady. Oh. <laughs> you you say it's his cleaning lady? I'm pretty sure it's his wife. Well, that could also be. I'm well, I'm thinking you... it's his mother. Again. <laughs> In a different Could body. <laughs> and she still doesn't know. No. He tells her every I'm day. He tells her every day and then we reset her at night. <laughs> right. Uh, Gav, you had a really interesting um, parallel to point out between the way uh, Data and Jordy turned out, though. Yes. Uh, the Sherlock thing? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> well, in, in Sherlock Holmes, uh, as it went on, Watson got married then uh, and so that Sherlock Holmes spent time by himself a lot more. But with uh, Data and Geordie, Geordie got married, and then Data's living the Holmes life with a housekeeper, like uh, whatever you call her in Sherlock, uh, in Cambridge by himself. I, I, that must have been deliberate. If I mean, if, if Sherlock was also in Cambridge. Yeah. On top of everything else. Well, I don't know if he was in Cambridge, but he was definitely... No, I don't in think house. he was in Cambridge. He was in, he was in England. Right. Yeah. Well, that that's still pretty... Uh, you know, pretty interesting, and I'm, I, I can't, you know, I can't imagine that's not somewhat deliberate with no, all the well, and parallels and stuff. Data acts very Holmesy too. Well, there's a big mystery mm. to solve, and he yeah. does definitely. You see him flip the switch and turn into Sherlock Holmes, you know. And so we see Captain Picard. Right. <laughs> and thankfully, Jordy doesn't do his uh, British accent. Alas, oh, God. I think he tried that for like two lines in one episode, and they said, "No, please don't do that." <laughs> You'll just be the Kevin Costner of this show. It'll be fine. <laughs> There's a great thing in the in the, the uh, plot thread running through the future where um, everyone is trying to talk old Picard down. They're trying to say, no, let's not go on this mission. No, you're not right about this anomaly. And Data is always the one that speaks up and says, although. Unless. And everyone, you could see them slapping their foreheads like, oh, come on. We were almost out. Data's been taking improv classes. He keeps yes anding. <laughs> Everyone else, everyone else is no but. <laughs> and yes, and. Uh, his hair was ridiculous, but I do like overall the very subtle. They never point out the fact that he can use contractions now. Yep. He just does. But, yeah, and he's smiling a bit more. He's just very yeah, but, subtly being more human, but not complete. I think yeah, they just, don't over the top it. It's just because he spent 25 years more with humans, I would say. Yeah, he, he, even, he even says at one point. Um, my housekeeper's kind of bitchy, but she does make me laugh. Like, that's... You, you kind of get the idea that he somehow discovered emotions or got yeah. an emotion shape yeah. or something at some point. When they're in bed together. Right. Yes. When they wake up and it was all a dream. <laughs> and he resets her. Right. <laughs> and the Enterprise explodes again. God damn it, it did too. Yeah, it did twice. Oh! Three times, actually. Yeah, but no one got the number four this time for some reason. Uh, very strange. I need thousands uh, of cats in the future. Well, not thousands. Oh, yes. Literally thousands Spot of got, cat ninjas. Spot got 
busy. Jesus Christ. With lots of different breeds, too. Yep. There's like a Siamese there and a Calico. Well, and no, the thing is also <laughs> that Spot is all breeds, so. Oh, that's true, too. They got busy on Bizet. <laughs> Consistently and thorough. <laughs> we actually have a letter which we'll answer in our supplemental in a couple of weeks that uh, that has a pretty good theory about Spot <laughs> changing and, and so forth. So is we'll, it better than ours, than our Worf keeps killing him theory? I think so. But we'll, Is, we'll does it involve we... uh, being a uh, spot being a polymorph? Yes, from a red just dwarf. Like, just, <laughs> yes, just like red. Well, red dwarf rhymes with warf, so <laughs> we established it's, it's that. Just literally the only thing to rhyme with warf. See, the problem is that uh, data keeps developing emotions, but then uh, spot the polymorph keeps sucking them out of him. <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic! I'm going to write a story about that right now. <laughs> Can't you wait till we're finished? Yeah, because by that point, Data had become completely... He'd become a real boy, but because of right. all the Spot's descendants being polymorphs, yes. they, they sucked it out of them. <laughs> well, then how do you explain the hair? It, it, that's what turned him grey, the uh, sucking of yeah. emotions. Oh, I see. Part, part yeah, of his hair was actually can... angry, and then <laughs> sucking the anger off his hair made him grey. I see. I see absolutely no flaws in that theory. Yeah, it's as much <laughs> sense as a, the paradox. It makes sen- as much sense as anti-time. <laughs> oh my god! Fucking anti-time. Pre- well, prepare for letters from English Gov. Dear <laughs> sirs, I'm prepared. <laughs> Listen, if he can explain what happened in Genesis with using um, using actual science, then then I'll buy his theories on uh, anti-time. But otherwise, no. When you say you're prepared, did you put the shredder underneath the uh, mailbox? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and actually, the whole anti-time thing, Matt, doesn't that sort of go into your bad thing? Yeah. Um. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not super clear on how the anomaly actually works. I mean, it's formed in the future, and it works its way back because of anti-time. But, I mean, where does it come from? Where did, the like, does it Picard create it by scanning for it? Yeah. I mean, he's only in the future because Pew put him there. Like, am I missing something? This episode feels too good to be this confusing. It, it is. It's the three the three uh, probe beams focusing on this place where the time is not linear, so it doesn't matter that they're all in the past and the future or whatever. Uh, Paradoxes don't. There's no event that sets it off. It's right. just... It's just always been there now. Yeah. But Picard created it. Yeah. Paradoxically. That's the whole point. And Q even says that. The paradox. When you realize that this doesn't make sense, that's when... Ugh. It probably yeah. created it in the in the present. And then because it because they'd seen it in the past, they, in the future, a uh, tachyon beams it. And then that's how it starts from then and goes backwards. I did not follow a word of that. Good. I, I yeah. tried. <laughs> <laughs> I heard your words. Well, you know how he does the tachyon beam in the present? Uh-huh. So then it uh, it goes backwards into the past. So it goes backwards and forwards in time at the same time. But because it's in the past, they assume it's in the future. So he tachyon beams the future, and then it starts from there backwards. Okay. Right. If you follow that. If you come cross-eyed, it's, it's just, fine. It's just, the problem is it's, it's a really great episode, but I just find all this crap distracting. Well, I'm pretty sure that's the, the Braga influence. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's... Here's your stupid uh, Technobabble explanation for why this guy is jumping between time periods. Yeah. Wibble, like, wibbly wobbly paradoxy despite it, but... Right. <laughs> What's that, Matt? The episode works despite it, but, like, you spend any amount of time thinking about it, and it's just like, oh, what? Yeah. Ah! 
No, it it really makes you realize that the focus should be on the characters and don't yeah. don't overthink the uh, the science because it doesn't really make much sense. Yeah. Here comes the science. <laughs> Here comes the science. Dootin dootin doo doo. Uh, so my bad thing is actually similar to Gav's bad thing, which is uh, age makeup, specifically Riker's age makeup. Yeah. I do not think they did a great job of making Frakes look uh, old. They they took some silver paint and painted up his beard and put some liver spots on, and it just did not look They good. puffied his cheeks severely, and it did not look good. No, and I've seen, you know, we've seen the, the modern Jonathan Frakes, you know, 25 years after the show's ended. Mm-hmm. And he got puffy on his own, but it didn't look like that. No. Surely they could they just put him puffy. in to the show now. Yeah. They could do, do, redo they it all do with, with with what they look like now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. Absolutely. I would I would watch that. Problem is, Patrick Stewart looks pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah. He'd have to grow a beard. Yeah. <laughs> he he looked good. I was going to say Beverly's looked bad, but and then I realized the problem that I had with her wasn't how she looked. It was how she acted, and then I realized yeah. that's always my problem with her, so, you know. She just w- not very good. I will say this: I did like the scene where she chews Picard out in her uh, ready room. Yeah, but that was the writing. <laughs> yeah, that's not a euphemism, right? It could be <clears throat> right in the ready room. No, I, no, I meant <laughs> chews Picard out. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, her idea of acting old is to fake a British accent. Oh my god, that was so awful. <laughs> And to develop that that speech impediment where she says he has Iwamatic syndrome. Iwamatic syndrome. <laughs> and and hobble. That, that apparently makes him older. Oh. Or her older. He's always old. That, yes. That's that's probably why Patrick Stewart looked fine, because as you say, he looks the same now as he looked then. Yeah. He was born old. Yep. No, if you see him in... He's a paradox. If you see yeah. him in Dune, he looks slightly, slightly younger. I think because, like, the fringe of hair that's that he has is... Uh, like dark and not white. Yeah. But that's really the only difference. Uh, we get some interesting stuff on the uh, Troy uh, Wharf relationship. Yes. Episode opens with them coming out of the holodeck on a date. And she's chewing him out because he doesn't enjoy the beach the way she wants him to. Boy, everyone on your version of the Enterprise is chewing each other out. There's a lot of chewing yeah. in this episode. Yep. But you've got to chew because, you know, it's yeah. the healthy way. Yeah, you, you don't just swallow your food whole. That's, no, that's uh, horrible. That's not good for that you. That way leads to Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> Genesis! The, um, but I mean, the, uh, the, the, the whole Troy, uh, Worf, Riker thing plays out in the future. Mm. When you realize that Riker really always did have a problem with them dating. Yeah. And then some horrible unspoken thing happens and he, he blames Worf. And, and uh, Troy exploded. Yeah. Yep. And then in the next actual timeline that we're in now, they, uh, Riker and him get uh, her get married. Not Riker and Worf get married because that would be weird. Riker oh. and Troy get married. Yeah, no, we never mentioned this whole thing again. Like, despite the fact that we pick up with this character in a couple of years and he's had a romantic relationship, he never once says, "I dated this other person yeah. that I used to work with and it ended yeah. badly," or "I'm still dating her." Or anything just never comes up. I mean, the, the, frankly, the fact that Troy and Worf didn't make out makes a lot, or did, they made out fine. <laughs> didn't chew out. Yeah, they didn't chew out. That makes sense to me. Right. But, you know, some sort of acknowledgement of it would have been nice. Well, like, it's kind of a big deal this last year. Yeah, it was. And I liked it. We all liked it, I think. Yeah. It was an interesting dynamic that we didn't really see coming. And it was, you know, a pairing of characters that was a little unusual. It was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Troy saw it coming. Well, <laughs> it doesn't take an impact. 
But, uh, no, no, you, uh, Troy saw her, saw yes, him coming. Yeah, I, I, I got it. So in one in one reality, she goes out with Worf, she dies. The other one, she marries Riker, and she's fine. Right. Yeah. So I think Worf broke her. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. That was yep. that was always Matt's theory. Yep. <laughs> We were really getting into their the intimate would details also, of everyone's life. In it would also really explain why Riker was so mad at him. <laughs> shuttle accident. Way Is to that go! What you're calling it now. Well, they were having sex in a shuttle. Oh, well, that makes sense. But he still. Well, as as Into Darkness taught us, when you get into a shuttle, you immediately strip down to your underwear. Yeah, of course. That's just uh, that, that's that's standard Starfleet procedure. Bra and panties immediately. Yep. I do not want to see Worf's bra and panties. I kind of do. Don't you? While he's while he's cradling a flamingo. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's a callback. Wow. Way back. <laughs> that's way, way back. Yep. On a different show, even. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that at the be- we got all these great cameos or guest appearances. And the credits just immediately spoil them all. Like, oh, look, Cole Meany is Chief O'Brien. Oh, look. Uh, Denise Crosby is Tasha. Like, I wish they hadn't said anything because their surprise appearance is like, hey, cool, it's that guy. Yeah. And, and the problem is that the episode itself plays them that way. Like, you right. know, like it's clearly set up to be a surprise, but like, you know, we've known they were coming for about 20 minutes now. Yeah, you don't see Q. I remember because we split this in two to do the uh, to do the summary. Q's first scene isn't is the last scene in part one. Like it's almost yeah. halfway through the episode when Q reveals himself. Otherwise, you don't entirely know that it's him. And it's kind of cool having that mystery and not knowing that. I think. Mm. I also find it interesting that we like Q so much, but we typically hate the sort of like magic episodes. Yeah. Where there's no science, where it's just people doing like crazy magic, but for some reason it's okay from Q. See the best the best Q stuff isn't when he's like turning them into stuff or sending them places. It's when he's like, you know, it's like uh, the Borg one. Yeah, that's true. Where it's you know where he's where he's showing them stuff that's plausible, just right. that they haven't seen before. You know, that one tapestry stuff like that. That's true, although in this episode he does magically shuttle Picard's consciousness back and forth in time. Eh, that doesn't bother me. No, it, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't bother me either, but it should. Yeah. But typically, it's not like turning typically the, magic one, the magic ones don't bother me, really, I don't think. See, I I don't like being reminded that I'm, like, I should be watching a science fiction show. I like there to be, it doesn't have to be completely plausible science, but it has to, I don't know, within the show's reality. It has to make sense to me. But you just it, hate it, uh, Robin Hood. And it's harsh. It's not really a science fiction show. It's a show about the people. Well, that's true. But then you get episodes like Genesis that don't really give you any character insights and also do weird magical shit where people turn into monsters for some reason. But if you don't think about it, it makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it's not. It's scientifically <laughs> plausible within the show. It makes as much sense as the paradox thing. Well, okay, but that's what I'm saying. For some reason, I didn't like it in an episode like Genesis, but I do like it here. So that's because like, that's not down to the magic. That's down to the character writing. Yeah. I suppose that's true. See, like, it, if they can distract you from the weird shit with character stuff, it's fine. Right. That's just down to and, good writing and bad writing. Yeah. So I'll just... I, and Q, I don't think, apart from that one episode I can think of, has never been written poorly. No. Like, Hyde and Q was pretty terrible. But other than that, 
Ooh. He's always been written well. Uh, well, yeah. And I, I mean, then it was just early enough that they didn't know what the hell his deal was. Well, right, exactly. And that's uh, he's the De- bad guy. That's John Delancey as well. Yeah. That is, and, and I, it made me realize that as we get to the end here, there's been maybe 10 actors over almost 200 episodes that you think of as Patrick Stewart's equal. There really aren't that many. No. But Delancey is totally one of them. I mean, you got, like, the captain from Darmok. You got, like, um, a couple of the gulls. <laughs> You get um, Wesley, right? Oh yeah, right, guys. Those, well, they put him. They put him in scenes alone with Wesley a lot. Yep. Which kind of make you? Oh wow! It's a good thing Will Wheaton's such an amazing. Oh yeah. But, but it, you say about Tomalock, you only see him like four times, and it's very brief. Yeah. There was one episode. I agree where, with you, but we don't really see him that much at all. There was one episode where he was in a lot, and the other two, the other. Uh, four, three, four, whatever are like glorified cameos, basically. Yeah, and where he's appearing on Skype, <laughs> right? But there's one where he and Picard. It's it's uh, God, I can't remember which episode it was. It might have been his first appearance. There's a lot of back and forth between them, and I just I totally bought Tomalock as being Picard's equal. Yeah, where so many of the other captains and so many of the other diplomats and everybody that appears, you just don't you don't buy it. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Uh... Future Imperfect, no? It was the one before that, wasn't it? Yeah. Was uh, it the defect? No, not the defector. Um, oh, the enemy. Fuck. The enemy, that's there the There you one. go, yeah, yeah. Where there, we had two or three like really good Romulan episodes like all in a row there, and he was it was one of those, and I think it, I think it was the enemy, yeah. Mm-hmm. The um, enemy! But, but Delancey's on that very short list of guys that can, you know, you can put them alone in a room with, with Patrick Stewart, and it's like, wow. Yeah. This is this is great. The, I would put we don't need uh, anything else. I would put Delancey at the top of that list, frankly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He can even make we, uh, getting Picard to do yes or no questions good. Yeah, <laughs> which was just great. That was great. I'll answer any ten questions. Is it green? Yes. Oh. Is it bigger than a bread basket? Is are you a tank? <laughs> <laughs> is, is it a paradox? Oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, but if you answer no and it's a paradox, then the answer could actually be yes. Oh shit! You see how that works? It's just like the, li- it's just the like the liar thing. Yes, that's one of the one of these cues is a liar. The other is also a liar because fuck you. <laughs> because it's Q. Yeah, there is no good Q. <laughs> I wonder what mirror universe Q is like. Wouldn't it be the same Q? Probably. Yeah, it doesn't exist Probably. in all universes. So there's not a, an alternate version of him. It's the same one. It's not like it's like not like that one with Lazarus. Oh, I see. Okay. With the, with picture, the uh, where he's fighting himself. Yeah, the guy they found in the parking lot. I remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I picture uh, Mirror Universe Q is uh, Breaking Bad Q. <laughs> <That's the bastard>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I picture uh, I, Mirror Universe Q is uh, is Walter White. <laughs> <laughs> Just a pair of Picard as underpants. I would absolutely watch just exactly the same show, Breaking Bad, only uh, with John Delancey as uh, as Walter White. Yep. And Patrick Stewart as Jesse Pinkman. This is Walter Hartnell Q. <laughs> this is not a confession of guilt. <laughs> yeah, science, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this no, must happen. <laughs> yep. They have a big lab for building, for making... Um, Dilithium crystals. Yep. Dilithium Blue crystal dilithium map. crystals. Yes. 
Um, what else? Oh, uh, Jordy in the future is married to Leah Brahms. Or the hologram of Leah Brahms. We have no confirmation that it's the real Leah Brahms. I hope it's that. Because Whoa. if he just waited around for her to get divorced, that's kind of creepy. Yep. I'm thinking it might be just some Leah who's a administrator at the Daystrom Institute. But it's not the same one. It's not the same oh, one so he at all. Dates? He just thought, well, she works at Daystrom and she showed Leah. I can close my eyes. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's also running off having space adventures, even though he has a wife and kids. Yep. Doesn't seem to care about that very much. I think he's just making it all up. He's just telling everyone he's married to Leo Brahms, but since he's off having adventures and things, he's, mm-hmm. he's just pretending he is. Oh, yeah, I'm married to her. I'm, yeah, I haven't been at home for three years. Three kids. My girlfriend in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hey. You wouldn't know her. She lives in Canada. That's, that's American code for I made it up. You knew that, right? Yeah. Okay. I know all. It's hard being the girlfriend in Canada, though. Well, that's true. No, I, I totally have a co-host in Canada. You know that he lives in Canada. You wouldn't know him. No. Uh, I didn't hate Denise Crosby. For no, she was time, fine. For the first time since Tasha died, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't dislike her coming. No, I liked her in Yesterday's Enterprise. I, I will her. say this. Uh, she does not look like she did seven years ago. No, we totally bought, oh. uh, we totally bought Troy and Worf being like, uh, Farpoint era Troy and Worf. I, the that's thing is, that's because of the makeup, really. The, ha- well, the, 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 the hair. Thing, <laughs> the thing with that is, though, we haven't seen those guys in seven years. Like, I'm sure if we compared shots from this episode and Farpoint, they would look different. But we see them every week. I suppose. Whereas when you know when uh, Tasha shows up, it's just like wow. Well, we haven't seen Chief O'Brien for like two and a half seasons. Yeah, but he doesn't like that guy. Doesn't really age either. <laughs> That's true. He probably looks the same still. He's just sort of always looked like that. And how great was it at seeing him after not having seen him for two and a half seasons? Oh, though? I missed him. And the thing I've I've really kind of been annoyed by is this show never explicitly said Chief O'Brien transferred to Deep Space Nine. No. He was just one day he was gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, where'd our favorite guy go? And if it we didn't know any better, we'd just think he'd left. Yep. It would it would have been really nice to have had a last uh, Chief O'Brien episode. Well, well we do get you'll see that in, in a month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As I recall, there is a nice little goodbye scene. But it, still. Yeah. You know, as Next Gen viewers, we should have been told where, you know, one of our favorite guys went to. Has anyone seen Chief O'Brien? Oh, he transferred to Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Oh. That's it. That's all you need. And then Did he take his horrible wife with him? <laughs> yes. Hooray! <Yay! laughs> We're free. God, the botany lab must have been so excited. <laughs> Everyone down there, it's it's like the most fun place on the ship now. Yep. Oh, Christ. The day she leaves, they play Ding Dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> Which they still have to pay copyright for. Yep. Just like Happy Birthday. That's why they still sing Heat for He's a Jolly Good Fellow in the future. Because the Ferengi own the copyright now. Oh, no. (laughs) They would. They bought it for a handful of beads. Side note, uh, the the authority in Britain for... to do with uh, financial irregularity and all that and uh, regulations is the uh, Financial Commerce Authority. Mm. Or the FCA. F-C-A. Now they just need a brunt. They just need a liquidator now. Yep. Ah, uh, references guy. from the future. Oh. Matt, in like a month we get to watch Deep Space Nine. I know it's gonna be the it's gonna be awesome. For for two years it's going to be awesome to do this show. I, yep. I might watch it tomorrow. 
Ah. <laughs> no, I won't. Actually, at this point, I could probably justify like just doing my homework ahead of time. I could probably watch it and get away with it in my mind. In my mind. In my, in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it was real. And then I'm going to record the show in my mind. Yes. In my mind. <laughs> you, don't, you don't understand. It's the it's the pudding. We've got to go back and get the pudding. It's tapioca, Will. It's, God damn it. It's the chicken and the egg. There's, there's the egg and the pudding. Yes. I think he wants us to make him some egg pudding. <laughs> Replicator. <laughs> Egg pudding. That beverage has not been... Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Even worse. Replicator, make me someone attractive. Hot. (laughs) (laughs) I liked... um, uh, One of my notes here is the the comparing Data's from three three eras. I think Data was the only character that actually carried over to all three flashbacks. Flash forwards, whatever. Yes. um, You get a really nice... Because you get literal Data... In the past, mm-hmm. where uh, O'Brien says something about burning the midnight oil, and he goes off on this whole season one literal data tangent. Ah, I would not recommend growing the mi- burning that midnight oil. Right. Igniting the midnight petroleum. <laughs> <laughs> but then, as we've said in the future, you get the nice sort of, like, he's got emotions and he can use contractions and all that. And I just, I like, even though it wasn't a data episode, we got some closure on, here's where he's been, here's where he is now, here's where he's going. And I like that. Worf as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, he was in the past, present, oh, and that's future. True. You're right. That's true. Didn't think I don't think that. he did much in the present, though, apart from try and buying Troy yeah. until Picard clock, clock clocked him. Try really hard. <laughs> clocked up him on two separate occasions. Yep. Yeah, and you only remember one. Ha! <laughs> and he will do again. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> right. Uh, what else? There's so much to cover. There's so much that Yeah. Happened. Jordy's a novelist in the future. Yeah, that was weird. Um, it sort of came from out of nowhere. And, uh, I don't feel like Jordy could write a good novel. No? No. Well, right. Picard did say his uh, protagonist was flamboyant. <laughs> which makes me think he might be outrageous. <laughs> oh my god, no! <laughs> or maybe he's writing books about Harry Mudd. Who isn't? That guy was pretty damn flamboyant. Who isn't? Mm. Apart from, like apart from Harry Mudd. Or Leo, God, what did he call himself? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. We got to do the original series again. I don't remember anything about it anymore. Yeah, we'll just do we'll just do the original series instead of Voyager. Yeah, that's fine. No, do Voyager, but then do the original series again, and again, and again, again. and again. Well, it's better and than again. Uh, better than going on to Enterprise. Yep. Oh yeah. Damn it. There, there was the um, there was the anti-time growing Geordi's eyes back for some reason. Yeah, I don't really know why that. Happened because anti time. Yeah, uh-huh. that, that I, felt I, inc- I, incredibly Braga. Yeah, I did like him looking at his hand for the first time. Yeah, I just think of, picture him going, "I'm black." <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with the anti time doing subtle things, you know, to grow things back and stuff. But yeah, his eyes were already there, so I don't know why they grew back. Yeah, unless he was ter- unless he like was he- turning into some kind of insect. Oh, yeah. well, that would be fine. It's it's, it's like, like it's not like he's yeah. blind because he has no eyes, you know? Like right. there's eyes in there. Yep. Does do the new eyes poke them out? It's like Yeah, it's like that uh, Monty Python cartoon. Yeah. Oh yeah. The where the TV's bad for your eyes? Yeah. Yep. That's the one. 
Always put salt in your eyes. Always put salt in your eyes. Uh, what else? Like I say, lots of notes, lots of stuff to talk about, but it's all sort of disjointed because mm-hmm. because it jumped around so much. It's hard to sort of stick on one kind of thematic discussion here. I like uh, I like when Picard's trying to get Worf to let them into the neutral zone. Yes, and he's all like, "I guess you're not a man with any honor," and Worf's like. You always, you always bring up my my honor to get me to do things, and Picard goes, "Yeah, because it always works." <laughs> In the future, it feels like he's using, like he knows that they all don't want him to be disappointed, and he's using that to get what he wants yep. out of them all. Yeah, I like that. Like even in the future, they still shout at him. Yep, and then yep. he was so brilliant after uh, Picard shouted at him, and he just threw everything off his desk and then slouched down in his chair and be all yeah. sulky. Mm. Fine. Has a nice little sulk. Oops. That was pretty great. I like that the Klingon ships in the future all look the same. Mm-hmm. Like they just—they never update their uh, their designs ever. Always just—they uh, just got their, these crappy old ships. Well, yep. well, it's the same as the well the original series to the next generation. There wasn't really that much of an update. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the Klingons just yeah. stick with what works, I guess. Well, or, let's see, getting back to the whole—they don't have great scientists. Well, yeah, or they might. We don't know. We've never met them. No, they all get killed because they don't have any honor. Oh. No, we have. We met a Klingon just... scientist once. And... Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. And... Yeah, he got killed because he didn't have any honor. No, wasn't yeah. that her? In I, in might have been. in that uh, Crusher one where she was trying to solve a mystery with the oh, Ferengi right. who died. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I don't remember what the episode was, but I remember. Well, I don't like to think about it because it was bad. Some it wasn't very some good. Ferengi died or something. Right. Yep. Some animal died. And then she stole a shuttle. The only time someone stole a shuttle mm-hmm. and flew it into the sun. You think more uh, shuttles would have gotten stolen considering how often Worf was on vacation? Yeah, that's true. He did go on vacation an awful lot. Q stole a shuttle. That's true. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Although that, that shouldn't really count against Worf. No. It's really hard to put traps up to keep, to keep <laughs> Q from stealing your shuttle. Right. Q traps. little... Uh, <laughs> You put little scarecrows dressed up as the captain under a box <laughs> with a stick. I might do that. I totally see that. Yep. Uh, the Enterprise D in the future has three nacelles. What a wacky future that was. Yeah. The third nacelle doesn't do anything. shotgun tied to the saucer. Yeah. Shotgun. What's that guess? The third nacelle doesn't do anything. It's just like speed, you know, speed stripes and things like that. Yep. Right. They painted flames on the side. Speed. Yeah, they got Picard out on the... Saucer section with a pickaxe putting speed holes in. <laughs> well, our car, our, all, all good cars have speed holes in them. Yep. I mean, that's obvious. All um, good cars must come to an end. Yes. Yeah, they didn't have the decal for flame, you see. Right. Oh, you say decal, too? No, I just said it for you. For your ah, very well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, what else? 25 years later, and there are still waiters in 10 forward. Yep. Well... And and Guinan's still not there. Matt pointed out. Yep, she never did come back from her uh, from her liquor class. She, she took one of uh, <laughs> she took one of Orr's vacations, you see. Right. <laughs> yeah, but she put them all together. Right. She, so she just never came back. <laughs> she will pay, appear in generations quite a bit, though. So uh, yeah, look so that future, to that, that disturbing future never happens. Thankfully, ensigns in the future are dicks. Oh, yeah, there was, they there are, was that yeah. when more when uh, future Picard was wandering around trying to find where everyone was. He asked this ensign on the on the Enterprise in the future, and he was like, "It's four decks down." Jesus, yeah. Well, he didn't really say Duh. that, but he, did, but he did. But he did act like a complete dick. 
Yep. Yep. So my conclusion is everyone in the future is a complete dick. Well, that's a that's a good sample size. That's, <laughs> I, I took your, your him. Science, I took uh, him and Riker. That was my my sample. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your science checks out as far as I know. A sample size of two. <laughs> yep. Science. I'm sure Gav won't now. Other Gav won't now be listening to this, like screaming at the. No, that's not good science. <laughs> he just says that all the time. Ah. Even even he wakes up in the middle of the night shouting it. No. <laughs> um. What else? Do we have more things? Yes. Crusher and, and kissing Picard in that scene. Oh God. Randomly, uh, uh. I like to think Picard put her on a report after that. Mm. No assaulting the cap. No chewing out the cap. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the future, her ship is stupid. I know you two liked really? it. I like the I like the look of that. Ship. I didn't yeah, me like, too. It, might, it would have been better if they didn't have the sphere thing, maybe in the front. I didn't like. Oh, see, that's what I liked. Mm-hmm. Instead of a instead of a, uh, a saucer, it was like a sphere. It's different. Maybe yeah. maybe it reminded me too much of the USS Grissom. That could be. I was a little disappointed that they didn't have better weapon systems. Well, it's a medical apparently, ship. Yeah, apparently medical means coward. Like <laughs> <you>. Hey! <laughs> no, pacifist. Cowards. Yeah, not the same thing, damn it. Pacifist, mm-hmm. you, you let other people fight for you. Um, right. How is that cowardly? It sounds smart to me. <laughs> That's the secret of life, Matt. Not dying. Uh, I, I do like the scene at the beginning of time, or beginning of uh, humanity. Where they're back at the, uh, they're back in France, where apparently <laughs> life began. What an odd coincidence that was. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I just love uh, Q's read on uh, your entire species began in this puddle of goo. <laughs> Look at it. Let's splash around it a little. Oh no! I remember watching that the first time, thinking, "Wait, he can't put his hand in there. Way to doom humanity, Q." Yeah, Q totally did it then. It wasn't you the anomaly dick. at all. Yeah, but you would have been like eight when this episode came out, so you wouldn't have appreciated the finer points of it. Yeah, well, I also didn't realize that life was probably appearing in other places on the planet, too. Yeah, probably. Not just France. Not just France. <laughs> we didn't all come from France. We're not the Coneheads. We might come from France. You don't know that. We all came, we all came have... from Africa, anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, but where do they come from? France. Eh? Huh? No. Uh-uh. Eh? Eh? <laughs> eh. I uh, and I honestly think that the final uh, the final scene the the poker scene like they could not have ended a better way. No, that was just perfect. No, I agree. There's a great shot just going right down Troy's cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly how I want to remember this show. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It was a good shot. No, no, that I mean the uh, scene. Right. It was a good scene. No, and and you never realized to that point. Like it never occurred to me. Like, oh, right, Picard never sits in on these games, does he? No. He m- and for the first time, you're like, oh, God, yeah. And it was it was a really nice way to tie up his arc because we've seen him, and we've commented on this, become less, like, isolationist and less, you know, like, I'll be in my ready room, I don't talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a nice payoff of that, I think. And he is definitely more poly in the movies. Yeah. So that well, does sort I, of link in with that. No matter what else, I, just that. I sort of feel like he's out of character in all the movies, but we'll get to that. But that's for well, different then, reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even by that logic, like, it also explains why he's, you know, so casual in the future. Like, he's patting people on the arms and telling Jordy to call him Jean-Luc. And yeah, writing... Of course, Jordy can't. Writing right. ju- dune buggies. Yes. Well, he does enjoy dune buggies. That's one thing we know about <laughs> Captain Picard. Yep. 
absolutely loves riding doom buggies and going we. Well, who wouldn't? Nobody says we. <laughs> Uh, that's that's basically all I got. What about you guys? I think so. I'm just going over my notes here. I took a lot. It, yeah, and it feels like we should, you know, feels like this should be a double long episode or something for us just because this is it. But uh, we still got the movies. Mm-hmm. And the episode already did a good job looking back. Like, I don't feel like we need to. Like, they, yeah. they, they pretty much covered, like, all the main sort of character arcs and, you know, themes and that kind of thing. And... Uh... Yeah, that's everything for yeah. me, really. I just want to say, um, is it a Romulan plot, a ploy to start a war? Uh, uh, that's two questions. Oh, shit. For some reason, between Gav and I, that has been a regular quote <laughs> for as long as we've known each other, and I yeah. don't know why. That and, uh, get out! Get out of there! Well, yes. I know why that one, though. Yes. It's a- In fact, this is this is entirely true. The ringtone on my phone for when my mother calls <laughs> is get out, get out of there. All right. It should, um, you should change it to, uh, you want your mommy? <laughs> well, that, that, actually, that actually leads me into my quote here, which is, um, which is uh, Picard the ranting old man being mocked by uh, Q. The other ranting old the man. The other ranting old man. Hey, what was that she said, Sonny? I couldn't quite hear her. Q, what is going on here? Where is the anomaly? Where's your mommy? Well, I don't know. Answer me. There is an answer, Jean-Luc, but I can't hand it to you. Although you do have help. What help? You're not alone, you know. What you were and what you are to become will always be with you. My time shifting. The answer does lie there, doesn't it? Now, tell me one thing. This anomaly we're looking for, will that destroy humanity? You're forgetting, Jean-Luc. You destroy humanity. It's just, it's one of those things that every time Q pops up, he he's doing whatever Picard's doing, and there's that nice, subtle, you know, he's got the same body language, he's got the same appearance, you mm-hmm. know. I just, I always enjoy that about Q. It's it's fairly subtle, but uh, but I enjoy that. And Matt, you could not decide, like, where to cut off your quote, so we're actually going to play it, like, after, uh, yeah, after the it's credits. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, frankly, like, one of the best scenes, it, not just in the episode, but, like, in if I had gen. to make, yeah. Yeah. Now there's a really good, um, really good, great and good <laughs> uh, speech from Q. And uh, like I say, after after you hear the uh, "Please don't sue us," we're just doing this for fun. We'll, we'll play that. Nice, yep. nice thing to go out on. Yes, listen out for that. Yes. Yep. Uh, speaking of listening out for that, Gav, why don't you tell the people uh, about your program, your fine little show? My little show is called Drunken Time Travel. It's uh, basically this, but Doctor Who. And so, comedy, and comedy beer. beer, and possibly Doctor Who occasionally. And we're on and the uh, second more... Doctor at the moment. Excellent. Didn't you figure out that when we make a big change, you're also going to be making a big change? Yes, when you like... get to Voyager, we'll be on Tom Baker. So, you so... get to the iconic Doctor. Yeah, get we to... get to the dregs. We get to Voyager. <laughs> I think next year we'll be on John Pertwee, the third Doctor, which means we don't have any more... You know, episodes that are missing anymore. So right. 
I was. We were just talking about this. I thought they found some of those out in outer space. Like, didn't they find the the, the original signals somehow had bounced off something? And well, I think they said the signal. I mean, they were getting signals from outer space from 1960s. So you know, I suppose it was only a matter of time before they get the Doctor Who ones. But you don't know well, what someone... you don't know what quality they are either. I suppose that's well. True. They're covered in space dust. Yeah. Right. Look, there's still more space dust on it. Now it says how to f- how to kill all humans. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Matt. Why don't you say your thing and we will end the show. See you, TNG. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. The Continuum didn't think you had it in you, Jean-Luc. But I knew you did. You're saying that it worked. We collapsed the anomaly. Is that all this meant to you? Just another spatial anomaly, just another day at the office. Did it work? Well, you're here, aren't you? You're talking to me, aren't you? What about my crew? (laughs) The anomaly, my ship, my crew. I suppose you're worried about your fish, too. If it puts your mind at ease, you've saved humanity once again. Thank you. For what? You had a hand in helping me get out of this. I was the one that got you into it. A directive from the Continuum. The part about the helping hand, though, was my idea. I sincerely hope that this is the last time that I find myself here. You just don't get it, do you, Jean-Luc? The trial never ends. We wanted to see if you had the ability to expand your mind and your horizons. And for one brief moment, you did. When I realized the paradox. Exactly. For that one fraction of a second, you were open to options you had never considered. That is the exploration that awaits you. Not mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. What is it that you're trying to tell me? You'll find out. In any case, I'll be watching. And if you're very lucky, I'll drop by to say hello from time to time. See you 